Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Anointed him, uh, ointment, and wiped uh, his feet with tears and things like that. So this is Mary Magdalene. She came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. She ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, and uh, that, that other disciple is John, and when John is writing, he usually speaks of himself as that other disciple. They had taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and that other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead and faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking inside, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw saw and believed. Now, that's an interesting there's so much we can glean out of that, but what we really want to talk about today uh, in this section is we want to talk about God's presence. God's presence. That's what we want to glean. God's presence is, it, it is awesome, and that's what we want to be. We want to be in God's presence all the time. And let's see what happens when they came into God's presence. So here we see that Jesus was not there. Now, you remember that it says here, so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then entered, and he saw and believed. What made him believe? What did he see? Jesus wasn't there. They did not know, because it says in in verse 9, for yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. So the, the, the disciples didn't understand that. They didn't know that. Otherwise, they would, they would already know he was, he, he was gone. He was, they wouldn't have to run and find out and peep and see whether he was there or not. They know he wasn't there because he, he said he was going to rise. So why did he now believe, John? Why did he now believe? I believe it's what they saw in the tomb, and the only thing they saw was the wrappings and the face cloth. Now, you remember another person uh, was raised from the dead. You remember the name of that person? Lazarus. Let's look back at Lazarus on, on, on John chapter 11. Let's look there, verse 38. Let's go there a little bit and find out whether it was the same type of instant. In verse 38, so Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, 
for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth bound. Oh, can you hear that now? He was bound. Hand and foot with wrappings. And his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And let's go back over to the 20th now. The 20th chapter of John. Now, it says that the other disciple went into the tomb. He saw and he believed. What was it that made this man believe? Well, earlier we know that Lazarus had been set free. He rose from the dead. But what was the difference? How about the linen cloths? Lazarus could not unbind himself. If you've been wrapped around with cloth, hand, and foot, it's like you can't use your hands to unbind you because your hands are wrapped around with your body. So somebody is going to have to loose you. Somebody's going to have to unbind you. But see, that was not the case because nobody was in that tomb. Because you look at other versions that it was like an earthquake and an angel came down, moved the stone away, was sitting on the stone. No, no, he had already rose. He's different because nothing binds Jesus. Death, the grave, nothing binds Jesus. Claws don't bind Jesus. He just, just think of it now. Here he is with claws around him. He just moves from the cloth. The cloth just, just stay there. He doesn't have to, let me get my hands free. Let me wiggle this man and get it free. He doesn't have to do all that. Around his face, but you know, he just, I'll, 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 what I'll do, I'll fold this thing up. I'll put it over here by the side so they'll know that, that nobody, nobody took this off me. I took it off myself. Wow. So John sees that. John believes. He believes. Wow. He did resurrect. Nobody was in here. Nobody unbound him. God set him free. Can God set him free? Sure, because he is free. Because he is God, isn't he? Let's go a little bit further. Verse 10. So the, so the disciples went away again to their own homes. But, that's a very important word. But, because it tells us something. It tells us that his faithful disciples said they believe. His faithful disciples have been with him three years. 
his faithful disciples, who's going to take on the work and encourage throughout the whole world, they go back to their own home. I wonder, are they interested in the risen Lord? Are they interested in that he rose from the dead? Where is he? I wonder where he is. That did not cross their minds. But Mary, remember, Mary, who, who, the scripture says that him who loves, who has been forgiven much, loves much. And let me tell you, if you were possessed by seven demons and you are set free by the Lord, you will you will be interested in the presence of the Lord. You want to bask in it. You want to stay in the presence of the Lord because the Lord has freed you. Haven't we been freed? We were bound by darkness. We were children of the devil. That's what God says in 1 John. But God rescued us he ransomed us. He bought us back with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ, and he set us free. We've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We are free. God says, whom the son set free is free indeed. So we should love much because we have been, been forgiven much. What have we been forgiven of? I mean, we can, we can be here the next Easter, you know, naming the things that he's forgiven us for, for. And in that period of time, we won't finish because we'll be still doing something, saying something wrong, right? But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. Why is she weeping? And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. Now, they had already looked in the tomb, and, and Peter was bold. See, John, he, 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 he's young. He runs fast. But he, when he got there, he was scared. He didn't go in. He just peeped in. Peter, a little older, run a little slower. But when he gets there, he just goes right on in. So... Then the other one went in. So they've both been in there, right? But Mary, she was weeping. She stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. Now, do you know that God is so good and he's so compassionate that if you want to see Jesus, God will show you things that others won't ever see. See, the disciples, and Peter is tough now, right? Peter's tough. He's tough now. Come on, he's tough. John, he's tough. He's tough. He's the one who wrote the book. He's tough. But Mary... Mary 
was emotional. Mary, she was weeping because she didn't know where her Lord was. She wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. Where is, where is my Lord? Where is he? And she's just weeping there. She peeps in. God shows her a vision. Peter and John didn't see no vision. But Mary did. And I'm telling you, if, if you are passionate about God, you'll see things that other people don't see. Good things. I'm serious. Because he, he, he's trying to show us some things here about his presence and how to draw his presence to you. He says here that, and she saw two angels. They were sitting there. In verse 13, said, and they said to her, woman, you think they knew her name? Yeah, they knew her name. Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have hid him. Now, she doesn't, she doesn't know that he's resurrected, right? If, if she knew that he was resurrected, then nobody took him anywhere. But she didn't know that. See, the other disciples knew that, but they still didn't, didn't linger around and find out where. So she's telling them that. When she has said this, oh, Jesus is so compassionate, isn't he? When she has said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. So his resurrection body didn't look like his, res- his regular body. Otherwise, she would have recognized him. Don't you think so? Jesus said to her, woman, do you think he knew her name? Of course he did. Woman, why are you weeping? He knew why she was weeping. Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now, just think now. How much do you think Mary weighs? Now, Mary is not no weightlifter now. Now, here's, here's, she's, she's telling this gardener, just show me where he is. I'll take him away because I want him with me. I'll take him away. Now, do you think she's going to be able to lift Jesus and take him somewhere? No, but, but she, she, she was going to try. I guarantee you she was going to try because she wanted to know where her Lord was. Listen to what it says. Jesus said to her, Mary. Now he's, he, he, he's, he's sensing, of course, her emotion, and he knows she doesn't know him, and, and she is serious about this. She probably wasn't going to leave until she found out something. So she, he said, Mary. Mary. She turned and said to him, in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher, means she recognized his voice at that time because he allowed her to recognize her voice because he could've, she could have recognized his voice when he says, woman, 
uh, while you're weeping. Well, she didn't. But when he said, Mary, oh, that compassionate Mary, she recognized it. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. Now, when, when, when she said, when he said, Mary, and she saw it was Jesus, man, she dove down and, and thought, she, she, while she was clinging to him, she wasn't going to let him go. Because she wants to be in the presence of her Lord. Are we that way? Do we want to be really in the presence of the Lord? Don't want to let him go. It says, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren. Oh, my brethren. Now, things changing now. He didn't say go to my disciples. He said go to my brethren. And say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, and my God and your God. I wonder could he have just said, I'm going to our father, to our God. But he didn't say that, did he? And he doesn't waste words. He was saying it because I believe he was saying that, now, He's my father, and he's your father. He's my God, he's your God, but there is a difference. Because for, for him to call them brethren, brothers, that means that they had to be, when you, have, when, when you have a brother, you all have the same parent, right? And so all of you are sons of that father. But Jesus was making a distinction, I am the son You are sons, but you are not the son. It is a difference. My God is different from your God in that I am God. We are one. He's he's a father. He's God. But it's different. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said, these things to her. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, what day is that? Sunday. And when the doors were shut, hmm, why were the doors shut? I'm sure it wasn't cold. Why were the doors shut? It said the door was shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So they were afraid. They were afraid because their master had been taken away. So they're afraid of the Jews because if they killed the Lord, they'll come in here and kill us. Jesus came and knocked on the door. Is that right? (laughs) No, he didn't knock on the door, did he? Just Just like no bandages, no claws going to bind him, no doors or walls going to keep him out. Don't think you can, or we can hide in our house and do anything in our house that, that nobody else can see, but Jesus can't see. He can see. He can see through the doors. He can see through the walls. There's like no walls at all. He can walk through doors. He can walk through walls. He can walk through bandages. He can walk through caves. He can walk through cement. He can walk through anything because he is God. 
even though he has a body. He has a body, but it's not like a body like ours, like we have now. And I said, wow, this is really good. What did he say to him now? What did he say to them when he came in? Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, see, the first point I was talking about, his presence, right? His presence. Now I want to talk about his peace. Because when he came in, he said, peace be with you. He could have said, like he, he said when, they, when he was with them. You remember he said there's a lot. Fear not. He said that so many times, right? Fear not. He could have said that. Why did he say, peace be with you? Do you know when you have peace, the peace of God, you don't have fear because you have peace. Let's look over in, in, in another part there. I think I want to go to 14, uh, 27. Let's go there. Uh, John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So he's saying here, I'm giving you my peace. So he's speaking it to him, peace be with you. And that peace is not world circumstances going okay. Because we have peace when everything is going hunky-dory. We are okay. We have peace. That's not the peace of God. The peace of God is everything can be going not hunky-dory, but you still have the peace of God. Because you know you're in the will of God. Being in the will of God helps have, help you have the peace of God and know that I can be at peace in this situation because I know I'm in God's will. Some people will do things and they say, well, I got a peace about it. I say, well, how, how are you going to have peace about it? And it's, and it's against the word of God. It's impossible to have the peace of God against the word of God. You can have peace, but it's the world's peace. You, in other words, I can think that, hey, I don't even care if it's against the word of God. I feel good about this, so I'm going to do it. Well, that's not the peace that God is talking about. He's talking about his peace. Let's go down a little further. Verse 20 says, and when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So he's saying, I don't want you to be afraid. Peace I'm giving you. Look, it's me. Look, check my hands out. Check my side out. It's me. They said, okay, great. I can, we can rejoice now. So Jesus, verse 21, said to them again, peace be with you. That's twice now he said it. As the Father has sent me, I have sent you. So we're talking about peace. And every time he came with them, he said the same thing in verse 26. If you look, look there, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Peace came, uh, Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, what's the words? Peace be with you. See, the doors were shut and he stood in their midst. Jesus wants to be in our midst. 
in the midst of everything we do, he wants to be in the midst of it. That's what he wants to be. Now, so we talked about his presence. We talked about his peace. Now let's talk about his purpose. Because he said this in verse uh, 21. So Jesus said unto to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So he's talking to his disciples, and he said, I send you. Now, has he said that to us? Has he said it any other place in the Bible that I send you? Well, sure. If we look in, in, in John 17, verse 18, let's go over there for a minute. In John 17, 18, it says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. And see, some people will say, he's talking to the disciples. So therefore, sure, he sent them, but he ain't sent me nowhere. You know, uh, yes, whoever he sent, they can go. I don't have to go anywhere because he was talking to the disciples. He wasn't talking to me. He's talking to the apostles. He's not talking to me. But, it, but see, you can't say that if you're reading down here when it says, I do not ask on their behalf alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. So that means that anybody who the apostles told about Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and, and all the things that he's done and what he, he died for and rose again for, he died for our sins, he rose again for our justification, we would know that, oh, he's talking about me too. He has sent me too. And so that means that I don't care uh, whether they died or whatever, the word is being passed on, isn't it? And we heard that word, didn't we? Because we gave our life to the Lord. And we gave our life to the Lord. He's saying that not on their behalf only, but unto those who believe in me through their word. That means I believe on you through, my, through your word. So that means that he's talking about me. He sent me too. He sent you also. We have a commission, and we know that in Matthew 28, that we have been sent. He said, go into the world, make disciples of all nations, didn't he? Baptize them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. So he, he sent us. We have a purpose. Through his resurrection, he, he could have said anything to them. He could have said, I want you to go read and study, uh, you know, because you have the strolls of the Old Testament. Just read them and study, and, and I'll come back later to, to get you all. He could have said anything. But he said, as my father sent me, I send you. So he's given, he's given them a purpose. He's given us a purpose. Now, he's also given us power. Thank God he's given us power. Because without power, we wouldn't be able to go and be his witnesses. Because he told even them to tarry in Jerusalem until they receive 
power from on high. And listen to what he says here. Go back to John 20. And he says in verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, This is hard. This is hard, isn't it? I mean, in all of John, these two verses are very, very hard. It says, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what did he mean? Now, if, if, if the word says he breathed on them, what did he do? He breathed on them. He breathed on them. Now, when he said receive the Holy Spirit, why would he tell them, I want you all to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high? They had to wait until Pentecost, didn't they? Because the Holy Spirit, he hadn't gone to heaven yet, had he? He hadn't gone to heaven yet to his father. And so if he hadn't gone, he had, he's not sending the what? Holy Spirit. So what is he talking about then? Well, there are many theorists. And I could stand up here and tell you it means this. I don't know. I really don't know. But I do know that they must have received something. Because he said receive the Holy Spirit. So they must have received some type of measure of the Holy Spirit because he said receive it. But he, they must not have received the fullness of the Spirit because they wouldn't have to wait in Jerusalem to receive power on high. Then the next one is just as bad. It says if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them, and if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, that is hard, too, because you think, now, you know the scripture that who can forgive sin? God. No human being can forgive sin. We run around, I forgive your sins. I don't forgive yours because you, I don't like you. You remember that? Did you hear and pay me back? You owe me for, for, for dinner. No, I'm not fit for giving you a, You know, we are, we are interesting, a group of people. So what does it mean? Well, you know it can't mean actually forgiving sins, but we do know as we go and, 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 and proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ, what we do know is that, if, that we are ambassadors, aren't we, of Jesus Christ. And as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, sent by Christ, because he says, I was sent, I'm sending you, then we are representing Christ. And, and if we're telling people about the good news, they give their life to Jesus Christ, they repent of their sins, they can be saved, and they don't have to pay the penalty for their, for their sins because their penalty has already been paid by Jesus Christ. Your sins will be forgiven. Then we know that if they believe on Jesus Christ, their sins will be forgiven. And we can actually give that Declaration. We can say, if you give your sins, you, you give your, your, your life to Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven. If you don't, they won't. You're going to have to pay the price yourself. I think it would mean something similar to that. The power. 
have a young lady that uh, needed it. Talking about the power of God, talking about, because the power of God is not just for walking through doors and all that kind of stuff. The power of God is actually uh, for our whole life, isn't it? The power of God helps us emotionally, helps us get through problems. The power of God, my goodness gracious, how could we ever go through hard situations if it weren't for the power of God, the compassion of God? The, whoo, my goodness gracious. Joy, you're going to dance, right? Okay, explain why you're dancing. Over the last few weeks before Easter, I've just been remembering back about four years. And for those of you that don't know, four years ago, my family and I lost our 15-month-old little girl. Um, So four years ago, we lost her on March 27th. Do you know what today is? March 27th. Four years ago, March 27th, was the Tuesday before Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday, four years ago for us, was a memorial service. And I remember walking, we were talking to Pastor after the memorial service, and I just told him, I said, I am feeling a dance just welling up inside of me. He said, whenever you are ready, you let me know. Dance dance has been a big thing of my life. I've been dancing since I was three. I now own a studio, but it's more than just like sharing that love with other people. It's a way that I can express myself, and it's a way that I can bring glory to God. So um, as I was thinking about a dance and coming up with something and just feeling like I wanted to share my struggle, my struggle with uh pain versus healing, of guilt versus hope, of questions versus faith. And by Easter, one week, I was ready. I was like, okay, I got to dance this. It'll be, it'll be good for me. It, was, it really was. It was like a salve for my soul. Um, and Pastor was very generous and gracious. He allowed me to dance on Easter that year. Um, and so then as we got to this year, um, I had just been thinking about all of these things. I even had a song just plunk in my head. And pastor called me. He said, I don't know. I just I feel like I'm supposed to ask you if you want to dance on Easter. I said, I think I know why. And yes, I will. And I have a song. And how will this one work? <laughs> so it worked out really perfectly. But what I did want to focus on is... Um, today is not so much a struggle of where I've been and the hard thing that we've we've been walking through, but more of our new perspective that we now has of have as a family. Um, we still say things like, man, it is so freezing. I thought I was going to freeze to death. Or we'll say things like, that bike ride was so long, I thought I was going to die. But we talk about Josie a lot. And so everyone, even Janae, our three-year-old, who has never met her, does not know of her except what we've told her, she will say things like, die, go see Josie. And she just, she has this perspective. We all do. Heaven, death, all of that is not as scary as it once was. We'll be seeing Josie. So that's very fun. But it also brings back to Easter. Easter is a very important day. We are able to get into heaven because of what Jesus did on Easter. 
So it's a good time to remember our loved ones who have gone before, but it's also, it's just a time where we can realize what God has done for us. We will see Josie. You all will get to meet her. She's fabulous. But we will also see Jesus face to face. Not to be able to dance, pick out the child has died. But thank God for his house. We want to close on the last three verses of that Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.